Chapter 20 Finn stirred to the sound of guttural voices. Let's have a look at her. Her head throbbed with pain, and the voices stabbed into her mind like needles. She drew in a sharp breath and nearly gagged. The air was thick and foul. It smelled of a moldy bilge. Water sloshed on the floor, ankle-deep and choked with filth. At least half a dozen men surrounded her. They were scarred, filthy, and in various states of hairy nakedness. The whites of their eyes bulged out at her in the gloom of a single lantern. Only their capacity for language betrayed that they were men at all. Had Finn not heard them speak, she'd have taken them for the apes of some African menagerie. Move out, you dog. We want a better sniff of her. You had bloody well better move back, mate. Come a shuffle closer and you will rue it. Tan's voice. He was standing over her, light on his feet, fists out. Boy, you don't understand. This is the rotten belly of the British Empire. The stinking hell where good sailors go to suffer. The loathsome man paused and grinned. Well, maybe not good sailors, mind you. But good enough for me, says I. We've been here before. You ain't. Forgot how long, forgot how come. But this is our world, boy. You're in it. And we'll eat you as soon as beat you. The pack of wretched men snarled and whooped and bared their teeth. I says move out so we can get a little taste of your lass. And you'll do it if you know what's good for. Tan didn't budge. If in your word we'll have our fun with the lass, then don't you mind. We'll be having our fun with you as well. <laughs> the man let out a sickening laugh, and the faces around him broke into unwholesome smiles. Tan looked down at Finn as she stirred. Morning, Finn. Might have us a ruckus here. Hope you got your robber knockers running. Finn climbed to her feet. She heard a whimper and peered through the dim light to see Nut huddled against the wall, hugging his knees. Bruises or dirt covered most of him. She couldn't tell which and would be surprised at neither. Next to Nut lay Topper in an unconscious heap. Oh, looky, she's up and about, chattered a filthy man naked to the waist. Finn grimaced in disgust. Where are we? Finn asked. It was obviously a ship, but no respectable seagoing vessel would allow such filth and disrepair. The wood all around from floor to ceiling was rotten and riddled with wormholes. The black, slimy water sloshing about the room was full of filth that Finn didn't care to consider. She was amazed the ship was even afloat in its state. Men lay all around the room, some living, some apparently dead, some quickly becoming so by the look of them. A few were shackled to the bulkhead, and most had a cannonball chained to one ankle. At the far end of the room, a small stair led up to an iron door. The door frame was the only wood in the room not decayed to the point of falling apart. It's a prison hulk, stated Tan grimly. A prison what? A decommissioned man of war. English use them as prison ships. Aye, missy. This is the HMS Justice. Welcome aboard, said the man standing before them. His lips split apart into a black-toothed smile. And who is he? She asked Tan, but the man answered for himself. Ah, you might say I'm the first mate of this fair galley. And then, he paused and shrugged, you might not. But I'll wager you'll call me anything at all before me and my crew are finished with you. Tan stepped forward. Then I believe I'll have words with the captain before I box the ears of his first mate. Hear that boy's green hand says he wants to see the captain. <laughs> the men around him erupted in laughter. 
Nobody sees the captain, boy, unless I likes him. And you ain't been liked yet. Tan hit the man under the chin hard enough to knock him over backward and leave him sprawled, arms out, and motionless in the murky water at their feet. The rest of the crew boggled at the scene for a moment and then snarled curses and turned on Finn and Tan, their white eyes bulging. Here we go, mumbled Tan. Finn braced herself for a fight she couldn't imagine herself winning, even with Tan's help. There were just too many of them, six at least, probably more. The close quarters didn't make things any easier, and worse, the floor was slick with mold and rot. Finn marked the nearest growling half-man and kicked him square in the groin. Beside her, Tan was busy kicking off two attackers while he held another in a headlock. Enough, boomed a voice with a thick French accent. The men around them scurried back into the shadows, leaving Finn and Tan alone in the center of the room. Nut retreated farther into the corner, still whimpering to himself, and out of the shadow of the far side of the room came a wiry, gray-haired man with the leathery skin of an old sailor. Sorry, sir. We was just messing about. Cage your tongue, dog. The man walked slowly across the room and studied Finn with cold, wizened eyes. Excuse my crew, Sherry. Sometimes one must tolerate such depravity to maintain control of the pack. We? Oui? He looked briefly toward the shadows. Finn and Tan's attackers shrunk deeper into the blackness to escape his eyes. You the one they call Captain? asked Tan as he wiped the sweat from his brow. Ha <laughs> ha. I am known by many names he said with a slight upturn of his lips. But yes, these? He motioned to the shadows. His hand was bereft of its thumb and its last two fingers. These call me Capitan. Though the old man had called off his dogs, Finn had the impression they were not out of danger. The man's eyes hinted at calculation and sleeping villainy. She preferred a threat she could see clearly to the subtleties of deception. Well, I suppose we ought to thank you, said Tan. I doubt that. You may yet find that a quick death to the dogs is preferable to the slow rot of darkness and time. Finn glanced at Tan. He looked as nervous as she did. He too was leery of this captain's hospitality. Where are we? demanded Finn. The captain smiled and answered, Your friends spoke correctly. You are prisoner of the king. He spat at the floor. I am anxious, however. To hear why? He narrowed his eyes to study Finn closer. She shivered. This, he motioned to the room around them, is a place reserved for only the most reviled of prisoners. I consider it a place of honor. Again he smiled. Finn felt the hairs on the back of her neck stand up. Murderers, treacherous, assassins. He rolled the words off his tongue, enjoying the taste of each one. And worse. From the shadows came soft laughter. The captain twitched his head in response, and the laughter quieted. You, however, do not appear to belong here, no? He raised an eyebrow at them. I am curious. Come, tell me. Why are you here? We're arrested for piracy and mutiny, answered Tan. Mutiny and piracy. Respectable. Virtues indeed, but not, I am afraid, ones that would condemn you to this place. Therefore, either you lie, or you have made powerful enemies. If you are lying, then I may kill you. 
If you have the right enemies, then perhaps I will not. So come, Sherry, tell me, which is to be the truth? He ignored Tan and looked coldly at Fen, awaiting her answer. I am no liar, protested Tan. The captain's eyes flashed at the tone of Tan's voice. Then he opened his mouth to speak. Fen interrupted him. Tan speaks the truth. We've mutinied and are arrested as pirates. And the English have a bounty on my head. The alleged captain's eyes cooled. And did you wrest your ship free of a tyrant captain and set him adrift? Have you haunted the coast and quickened English hearts with your threats and preyed upon the Union Jack and run the sea red with the blood of English men? Finn was baffled. And tell me, Shari, did you kill six soldiers as they set to dine? Well, how, how do you? <laughs> I have many ears, though not my own. He pulled back the hair on the left side of his head. His ear was missing. Only a nub of scar tissue remained. He smiled. So the war woman of Georgia and the flame-haired captain of the rattlesnake are one and the same, no? I'm no captain. Captain, or no, the tales name you so. The flame of the west, they call you across the sea. Terror of the British trade, they say, no? I see I was wrong. You belong here indeed. Finn felt sickened by the inclusion. And tell me, Shari, what was the name of the captain you so boldly relieved of his ship? His eyes were eager. Tiberius Creech. His mouth opened in a silent expression of pleasure. He closed his eyes and rolled his head back and croaked a breathy laugh. When he looked at her again, his eyes were bright and full of twisted joy. My name is Armand de Fane. I am at your service. But how can you know? Finn tried to ask. My secrets are mine to keep. It is enough for you to know that I will help you if I can. Go now. Tend to your friends. I will keep the dogs at bay. Rest. Armand de Fane slunk back into the shadows. Tan exchanged a look of hope and concern with Finn. She turned to check on Topper. Topper found them pawing at you and they knocked him good for putting himself in the way, Tan explained. Hurt, because of her, Finn ground her teeth and moved to check on Nut. He seemed no calmer, but he didn't seem to be hurt. Finn tried to talk to him to ask if he was all right, but he wouldn't answer. Finn slid to the floor and leaned back against the bulkhead. She tried not to contemplate the stench that choked the air or the content of the murky water she sat in. What happened, Tan? I don't remember much myself. Seems I had a mite too much to drink. I recall they chained us and dragged us onto that ship alongside the snake, and then I reckon it was a couple hours before they offloaded us here. Well, we can't be that far from Wilmington, then, Finn mused. Aye, Southport, I figure, at Fort Johnston. Well, where's the rest of the crew? Well, they stuck most of them in cells amidships. I don't know why we get the fancy quarters. Well, what about Jack? she asked. Not seen him, nor the crew that was with him, but if I know Jack, he smelt the trap before he sprung it. Tan raised his eyes to look at her. Well, anyway, let's hope. Even if Jack avoided the trap, Finn didn't see how he could know where they were. But scant hope was better than no hope at all. Armand de Fane had disappeared back into his shadowy corner, 
and did not attempt to speak to them again. Finn was glad he was distant. Offer of help or not, she remained wary of him. Defane said he would keep the other prisoners at bay, and certainly they feared him. Nevertheless, she trusted Defane no more than the dogs he kept. From across the room came intermittent snickers and murmurs from men that long captivity had made beasts of. Their eyes peered out at her from the shadows like animals in the night. She feared to turn her back or close her own eyes. When the clanking of chains and bolts on the other side of the door announced dinner, she breathed easier. It shifted the focus away from her, away from her friends. A guard entered and dropped a bucket and a few bowls into the water on the floor. As soon as the guard exited and the door closed, the dogs rushed from the shadows and huddled around the bucket. Defane shouted at them to move away, and they cowered back in obeisance. Then he motioned Finn to come, and she filled bowls for herself and her companions. The bucket contained a stew of dubious brown liquid that smelled only marginally better than the room. As soon as she moved away, the half-human dogs in the shadows leapt to the bucket and began to feed. No one attempted to feed the men chained to the walls. They stared at the food bucket with hollow eyes. Finn tried not to think about it. After dinner, the locks on the doors rumbled again and all eyes turned toward it. The prisoners shrunk into the shadows. A tall man entered, dressed in British red and white. He studied the room. His form was silhouetted against the light from the door, and his face was lost in shadow. Only his eyes glinted out of the blackness cloaking his face. They drifted around, picking out each prisoner in turn until they found Finn and stopped. He stepped forward into the lantern light. He had a deep scar running from temple to temple cutting through his eyes. One was blind and milky white, the other lidless and terrible. Finn flushed and went cold as ice. She'd thought this man dead, hoped this man dead, yet here he stood like a ghost out of a nightmare, his mouth twisting into a grin. When he spoke, his sharp, dangerous voice brought the past rushing back to her. She heard his words as if from some great distance. Here we are again, lass, he said almost a whisper. He squinted up his cheek to blink his lidless eye. The knife nearly killed me. The memory flashed in her mind, the kitchen, his hands on her, the knife sliding into his chest, his body slipping to the floor. But a hole in my lung, they said. But I ain't dead. Not dead at all. The governor himself appointed me to your capture and your execution. She deserved it. She had killed those soldiers. She was a murderer. But as sure as she was of her guilt, she had no wish to submit to that end. He was grinning wildly now. He affected his unnatural blink again. Finn spat at him. He didn't move. Still lively as ever. I'll enjoy watching you kick from the end of Angman's rope. But not to worry, you've plenty of time left to appreciate your new home before that. We'll be towing the justice down to Savannah where you'll be put on trial before the hanging. We've an example to make. He turned and slammed the door shut behind him. As the locks rumbled closed again, Tan stepped up to her. You want to explain that? he asked. She turned to answer and noticed Armand Defane lurking in the shadows, looking on with narrowed eyes. Bartimaeus gave him that scar a long time ago. Armand's eyes flickered. Bartimaeus? Tan's question made her realize how much she'd been hiding. Ever since she'd come aboard the rattlesnake, she'd been hiding. Hiding her gender, hiding her past, hiding her fears and worries. She started at the beginning, with her assignment to the kitchen as Bartimaeus's helper, and told Tan everything. 
She told him about Peter, about the sisters, about Bartimaeus and the soldiers. She recounted his capture and her murderous flight from Ebenezer. Then, finally, she told him about Creech and Bartimaeus, even about the map. When she finished, she didn't wait for a reaction. She didn't want approval or comfort or sympathy. She simply sat down, leaned her head back against the wall, and closed her eyes. We have got to get out of here, said Tan. Finn didn't answer. She saw no way out and was too tired to consider the future. If we get out, we can get the snake back, said Tan. How? Creech could be anywhere by now. Why bother? Well, because we know where he's going. We do? Finn looked up and raised an eyebrow at Tan. He'll be headed for Ebenezer, for the gold. Tan was right. Creech would head straight for Ebenezer, for the orphanage. He'd tear the place apart until he found what he wanted. And he wouldn't care who got in his way. Finn stood up and walked across the room to where two eyes had been peering out at them since the soldier left. Armand? she called. His face appeared in the half-light. His mouth was turned up in the slightest smile. We have to get out of here. So it would seem, Shari. His eyes twinkled. Opportunity will present itself. We must be ready. Rest. He retreated into the shadows. Finn opened her mouth to demand something more immediate, but before she could utter a word, his voice floated back out at her from the darkness. Rest. In the gloomy bilge of the HMS Justice, the passage of the day was marked by meals. Twice a day, the locks on the door rumbled and clattered. The guard entered and delivered a bucket of stew, if they were lucky, maggoty bread of less so. Topper was positively miserable and moaned constantly about the lack of proper food. In his sleep, he smacked his lips as he feasted on the ethereal bounty of his dreams. For all Topper's complaint, though, Finn didn't spend much worry on him. He had enough spare blubber around the middle to keep him running a while yet. It was nuts she worried about. The darkness had a terrible effect on him. He was skinnier than ever, and the dark drew out deep lines and hollows in his face that made him look skeletal. His mood was dark as well. He hadn't smiled or spoken since they were in the tavern on the night of their capture. She tried to talk to him to cheer him, but her efforts produced no fruit. He simply shivered in the dark and stared into the shadow of the room. Why would they put Nut down here? Finn said. What has he ever done? Tan didn't have an answer. The four of them were specifically chosen for this section of the prison ship. Tan claimed to have no idea why, but Finn suspected it was because they were her friends and she hoped their friendship wouldn't be the death of them. If the British threw them in with the vilest of criminals simply because they were her friends, might they not also hang them with her? The soldier, she didn't even know his name, said she was to be made an example of. She told herself they wouldn't include her friends in that example, but something in the back of their mind assured her that they would. Water rolled across the room in waves of filth and decay a rotting metronome marking time in the dark. No ray of sun reached their murk, and the slow wash of salt water patiently eroded away all sense of time and space. Time stretched out, became fluid, lost its form and structure. Finn could no longer discern minutes from hours, hours from days. When the meals came, they afforded a harsh point of reference that forced what felt like days into a reality that insisted only hours had passed. Here and there, now and then, as if stroked by the icy finger of insanity, a muted chuckle, groan, or cry escaped some unseen mouth in the darkness, and Finn shrank away from it into her corner. Madness grew here, 
It lurked behind the walls, beneath the waves, within the shadows, and in time, inevitably, within the mind. While other prisoners stirred and peered at her in the darkness, she tried to stay awake, but the absence of light taunted her towards sleep. Her eyes closed and she snapped them open, chased the sleep away, only to find her eyes falling shut again moments later. Out of the shadows crept a man, grinning and naked, stealing closer with each fall of her sleep-heavy lids. Her weary mind ignored the creeping figure. She had only strength enough to fight away sleep and that for little longer. The man stole closer, slow and intent, a grin of broken teeth and rotting gums spreading wide. Sleep was nearly upon her. The man stretched out a black hand, and the cold fingers closing on her skin snatched her from the descending threat of slumber. Then a thin blade opened the man's throat. His eyes bulged with pain and surprise, then closed, and he fell lifeless into the filth of the bilge. Finn's mind came alive, and before her stood Armand Defane, cleaning his knife. I told you I would keep my dogs away, no? Finn shivered at the thought of what might have happened if Defane hadn't kept his watch. She didn't care to take the chance again. Sleep was leagues away now. Defane shrugged as his knife vanished into the folds of his ragged shirt. Why are you here? she asked. He squatted down in front of her. Like you, I was put here. What did you do? He laughed. Ha <laughs> ha, many things, Shari. I endeavor to break all laws of both God and man, and in that endeavor I have met success. My sins, he paused, and his smile faltered, are legion. I am sent here, however, for something I did not do. God, it seems, is a clever accountant. He frowned and waved his hand in the air. It is no matter, Thierry. In the end, we all get what we deserve. I don't deserve this. She knew it was a lie. Defane raised an eyebrow and let his judgment linger. He held up his hand in front of her and stared at the malformed flesh of his missing fingers. No trace of the thumb remained, only a waxy notch of scarred tissue. Of the ring and smallest fingers of his hand, two short nubs stood out from the knuckle like candles burned down to nothing. My flesh was taken from me. The man that took it will have what he has earned. He put his hand down and looked at her. His grin and laughter were gone. Sleep, Shari. You need fear nothing here while my vengeance burns. It has chased away madness and death for many years. It will serve you well. He grabbed the dead man lying on the floor and dragged him away into the shadows. His reassurance didn't comfort Finn, but soon sleep stole upon her, and she let herself be taken. Mm-hmm.